on your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, we catch up with GWS Giants forward Phoebe McWilliam, the new USA Freedom coach Danny Seo, the Irish Banshees Olivia McCann, and we chat Sandfell W with Alison Schiller. That's all coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the eighth episode of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2018, our fourth season of doing these podcasts and our 99th podcast overall. This podcast is available from Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud or you can hear it as a radio program Wednesday evenings, 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne or via the RSN Racing and Sport app. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And for all the latest women's footy news, head to girlsplayfooty.com. Our first guest for this week is a legend at the St Kilda Sharks Women's Footy Club. She's a writer for Inside Football and various other publications. In 2018 in Victoria, she'll be representing the Hawthorne Hawks in the VFLW competition. But right now, she's starring on the national stage for the GWS Giants. It's great to have on the line Phoebe McWilliams. PMAC, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. Great to have you here at Girls Play Footy. It's been a while since we last chatted. I think the last time we chatted to you, you were wearing a Bulldogs jumper or about to wear a Bulldogs jumper from the 2015 draft. I remember that, actually. Was that at Eddie Had Stadium? Yes, it was. It was the... Oh, yeah, um, that's right. Yes, it was the first ever live stream draft as well, I think. So that was quite an occasion. But boy, oh boy, your world's changed a lot since then. Yeah, that feels like a lifetime ago. Well, let's step back a moment. Um, obviously, in the uh, late 16 AFLW draft, you, uh, went, you were taken as a priority selection for the... GWS Giants. Um, what led you want to move from Melbourne to head up to the Harbour City and, and play with the orange, charcoal, and white? <laughs> um, I think it started. It was it was sort of um, like uh, post me the, the idea of coming up here. And um, as you said, I've been playing footy for quite some time now. So I think at that stage, I've been playing footy for ten years and. And was maybe looking for something um, different. Um, I thought moving to Sydney would be a good experience. I love the city up here. Um, it's really beautiful. The beaches are nice. And then I thought on top of that, I'll meet a whole new bunch of girls, um, which would be really exciting. So I just thought it was time for a change. I wasn't um, burdened by anything at home. I wasn't having anything holding me back. So I thought, why not? So, uh, yeah, moved up to um, last November, so actually the year before, so 2016 November, and uh, yeah, back up here this year. To show what a heck of a move it was, you were well and truly a Melbourneian. I think in the previous months up until then, you were working in the marketing department, I think, at the Melbourne Cricket Club. So you were literally a Melbourneian through and through. <laughs> yeah, I was working um, as their communications coordinator at the Melbourne Cricket Club. Um, and yeah, I, I've always lived in Melbourne, uh, lived in Elwood in particular, uh, played at St Kilda for 10 years, 11 years now. Um yeah, so it was it was a really big change for me. Um, and then, yeah, living between two cities is, is quite a, a difficult thing to do in terms of um, just finding a place to stay um, and then work as well. And then also learning a whole new city. I, I don't really know um, 
much of Sydney, so I have to put it in my GPS everywhere that I go. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's really exciting and yeah, it's nice to be up here. Uh, particularly for you and all the others from Victoria and in one case South Australia, that it's made the move to Sydney. How have the GWS Giants looked after you in terms of trying to find a reasonable location, more importantly at a reasonable price? Because I think anything with a reasonable price in Sydney is something like four hours away. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's definitely a challenge. It is a challenge because we're only here for uh, six months of the year. So um, a lot of places are looking for leases uh, for a year minimum. So um, I was fortunate enough to find a place on Airbnb in Cronulla, which is, is yeah, as you say, it's a bit cheaper because it's a bit further away. But, um, yeah, it's lovely down here. The beach is a 10-minute walk away, a um, bit of a drive to footy. But, um, yeah, so it's, it's a really good lifestyle up here. As a person that you said was involved with the MCC and doing the communications, you're a writer as well, you love writing about footy, particularly in inside football that we see your pieces. Stepping away from um, the spotlight that is Melbourne, everyone examines everything under a microscope that happens in footy in this town, <laughs> to Sydney where, to be honest, it's a rugby league town, you know, it's slightly on the radar, anything AFL up there. Is it a blessing in disguise yeah. to get away from that or, or do you pine for home a little bit being up there and, and missing the constant you know, water cooler chat of footy? Um, I always um, enjoy talking about footy. So it's nice um, going going to training because I can talk to the girls about footy there. But um, I was actually thinking about this today. Uh, there's, the footy culture up here is, is very small. Um, there's hardly any AFL ovals um, in my area near where I live. I just drove past a rugby uh, rugby league ground and there was hundreds of uh, young girls playing uh, what they call Oztag up here. That's probably the big, one of their biggest sports. Um, and the people that I stay with, I mentioned um, that we're playing Collingwood on the weekend and they had no idea what Collingwood was. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a, a different environment up here and it's nice It's nice to be away from it, but it's, it's nice to go to Melbourne and see get 4,000 people at a game, that's that's pretty exciting. And I'm sure all our giant supporters will come out this weekend for our uh, home game in Blacktown. Now, before I talk about the win, I, I know it's hard to bring up a loss for a moment, but you lost in Carlton to round two. But the one thing I want to talk about is the lightning that hit the ground. What's going through mm. your head when you're probably catching glimpses out of the corner of your eye that lightning's happening all around and then you're, everyone's ordered off the ground for half an hour? Yeah, I haven't I haven't had that happen in a game before. That was that was quite a unique situation. Um obviously the storms came um in their first quarter and you could sort of hear it coming closer and closer and closer and then by quarter time uh, I was like, "Oh, I, this must be a bit of a hazard because it sounds like it's right on top of us." And then um when they dragged us inside off the field and we had that it was a 20 30 minute break. Um yeah, that sort of I mean, it sort of threw you a bit because it's not something that you're used to. Um, and I think Carlton uh, used that to their advantage and regrouped and came out and um, we probably went the other way a little bit. So, um, yeah, it was an unusual game. That was a, It was a really unusual game, um, full stop, that one. 
just comparing this year to last year, a lot's changed. Even changed coaches. Tim Smith was out. Alan McConnell's come in. A lot of new players also came in. Matty Boyd, Beck Privatelli, Pepper Randall, uh, Tanya Hetherington, Courtney Gum, Alicia Eva. Has there been a notable change in the way you approach training and how the group clicks together between last year and this year? Yeah, um, it's uh, yeah an absolutely uh, different um, environment this year compared to last year. Um, those those older, uh, more mature recruits um, have been wonderful for our team and the and the environment that we've created. Um, so Alicia Eva coming in with her experience as vice captain from Collingwood, she's been a, a wonderful leader and and been at at Fridge's side. Um, and then. Courtney Gum, uh, I played with her when um, in the 2014 Melbourne Bulldogs exhibition game, and when I saw she was coming up, I was absolutely stoked. Um, not only because she's a great player, but she's a great person, um, very level-headed, and and someone you look up to. Cora Staunton is another one of our more mature recruits, and she's just come in with. <laughs> she's a very unique uh, player, and and all the girls love her. She's um, She's a lot of fun to be around, but she's also very serious um, when we need to be. So it's, um, yeah, it's a lot different this year. We've got Alan as our coach. He's been um, fabulous. Uh, the, the experience that he's brought um, to our team and, and the confidence he's given us by um, creating this sense of calm amongst the girls um, and knowing that that he's in control and and if we do as he say then we'll 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 be in good stead so um yeah it's a really good environment this year and and really enjoying it you just mentioned Cora Staunton. Has there been much work done with her to try and help her kicking stocks? She's used to kicking around the corner when it comes to Gaelic football, and we noticed every yeah. shot on goal was essentially a banana kick at goal on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, so when we practice shots on goal after training, that's how she prefers to to have a shot, and that's how she feels most natural. Um, she's come in from, from another country to learn a sport that, um, she she probably didn't have that much knowledge on, um, and has only had uh ten weeks to do so. So, I think um whatever's more comfortable for her at the moment um is probably something that she should stick to. And then um yeah she she wants to continue playing in the future. Maybe she might look at changing that style. But if it's something that she uh, thinks will work, then uh, I've got all faith in. I've seen her do some amazing stuff with that banana-style kick, so um, I hope she doesn't change it. For yourself personally, how are you relishing the role as being the key forward, the key target with the GWS Giants? And I compare that to when you've been at the St Kilda Sharks over recent years. We've seen times you've played down half back. And even when you've been in the forward line, you've either been the number two or even number three forward when you've had, obviously, for a while, Mo Hope was there playing out of the forward, uh, out of the goal square. And then, of course, young Jessie Garner came along and she also presented to be another option. Yeah, very lucky to play with those two um, players. So they're they're very good friends of mine. I look up to them, and I've I've seen um, some some amazing things that they can do. So yeah, really enjoyed playing alongside them. And yeah, it's different up here, um, uh, just because I suppose as one of the taller forwards is a bit more focus on me. I don't know if I'm the number one key forward. We work as a group, and um, 
yeah, it's it's nice to be playing well and working together with um Barks and and Cora, and then also Rebecca Beeson, who's who's been a great little talent. Um, who's coming through? She's only just twenty years old, so she's just going to get bigger and better. Um, so yeah, we've, we've got a really good set up up here in our forward line structure, and yeah, it's working all right at the week at the moment. So hopefully that continues for the rest of the season. It's been a crazy 24 hours, hasn't it? Um, as we speak to you, it's a Monday, um, but on the Sunday, not only did you beat Collingwood, and obviously it got you well and truly off the bottom of the ladder with that victory and your first win of the year, but the upset happened that Fremantle knocked off Melbourne, so a bunch of sides on two on one. How does it feel to have the race well and truly open between any side now? Yeah, the, the competition's really opened up um over the weekend with um some favorites uh losing in uh, close games so um it just shows you that anything can happen on any given day and um uh, Al spoke to us uh, when we got back to the airport last night and he said we we're well and truly in it um as is everyone else so um we can't get carried away or anything and we just got to work hard this week and um yeah, continue on their winning ways. Um, so hopefully we get a bit of a streak going. There's one thing we do need to address out of this match. Heath Shaw made it known on the public record <laughs> that he'd buy the whole team dinner if you beat the Magpies, his old club. You were successful. So, Phoebe, what's the order? What do you want? <laughs> I think he said he was going to buy us all steak. So um, that sounds good to me. No, uh, but uh, he's been he's been great this season. He's been helping out at training, um, and coming to our games and just um, giving us a bit of advice on the sidelines. He spoke to me at halftime yesterday and was really positive and encouraging. And he sent me a text today just to see how I pulled up and and gave me some more advice and some kind words. So, um, to have people with that experience and knowledge around. Um, your team is just it's, um, priceless. So, yeah, really thrilled to have Heath on board and I'm looking forward to that stake. Just stepping back for a moment to the uh, VFLW, um, for your St Kilda Sharks, uh, a roller coaster end to 2017. There was uh, your big smile on the back of the age going into the room ready to embrace everyone after <laughs> that semi-final win against <laughs> Melbourne University. Unfortunately, it just fell short by a goal against the Darabin Falcons. And as we know, the story yourself and a bunch of other clubs won't be in the State League next year. Is there a little burning feeling in the stomach of, geez, that was unfinished business? You were so close yet so far? Yeah, a little bit. I have to be honest and say that finals campaign with the St Kilda Sharks is probably one of the most memorable um, couple of weeks in my playing career. and. I absolutely adore the Sharks and I'm still going to be involved um, with their community team this year in a coaching uh, level. Um, but, yeah, we, we did come very close and to play at the cl- that club for 11 years and, and just miss out like we did. It was, yeah, it does burn a little bit. Um, but to go out on... Even though we didn't win, it was still a high for us because we played some really good footy and we had such a good group of girls. And um, I'll always look back at the Sharks with with very fond memories, and that was it was probably the best experience I've had there. So um, even though it does hurt a bit, it's it's 
still it's still a nice memory. And as being announced for the 2018 VFLW season, you're going to pull on the uh, brown and gold. You're going to play with the Hawthorne Hawks in the VFLW competition. Um, how did the conversation and the idea of that come about for you to play for the Hawks? Yeah, so um, obviously I was I was very upset when I found out the Sharks weren't going to be continuing at the VFLW level. Um, and to be honest, I didn't even think about talking to to other clubs for a while because I was I was pretty upset about the situation. But um, Hattie Hill um, gave me a call um, not long after, and I was just so impressed. Um, by his attitude and his um, his beliefs and and the way he spoke to me, it just sort of sounded like um, it replicated all the things that I like about playing football. And um, so I, I agreed to go and um, have a chat to him because it was pretty close to me coming up up to Sydney. Uh, I went to to uh, Waverley Park and met um, the coaching staff there and their head of football and. And to be honest, I was blown away by their professionalism and, and what they presented to me and it just seemed like a, a wonderful opportunity and one I had to take with both hands. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited to pull on the brown and gold and, um, yeah, get back to Melbourne and get cracking into that because I think um, they'll be a great club. As we alluded to earlier, you, of course, you've been writing for uh, Inside Football a fair bit on the AFLW over the last uh, year and a half. Can you give us a little teaser to what we can expect ahead from not just Inside Footy but other publications, websites, etc. that you'll be writing for, particularly about women's football? Yeah, I've um, got a piece coming out soon on dual athletes. Um, that's in Inside Football. I know uh, a lot of commentators enjoy talking up dual athletes, but this is sort of a um, – I was watching Jodie Hicks, um, who also plays with the Sydney Sixers and plays for the Giants, coming to training straight from straight from cricket. So I just wanted to sort of um, open up the eyes to the realities that are um, involved in, in being a dual athlete. It sounds good, but I think it's a lot of hard work. Um, and then in terms of writing, I've got another – article that just came out in Inside Sport magazine. It's a, a six-page feature on Katie Brennan, so I was pretty stoked to get that one. And of course, we wish... I hope she's all right. I hope I yeah. haven't jinxed her because she's hurt her, her foot, so I'm wishing her all the best. Yeah, some uh, ligament damage there to the ankle, and they uh, hopefully uh, are looking at her returning before the end of the season, so fingers crossed there for Katie Brennan. And just before we let you go, since you mentioned uh, dual athlete, you're up against a very, very dangerous one this Sunday. Erin Phillips and the Adelaide <laughs> Crows. Talk about a pressure cooker game. Both sides, one win, two losses heading into this game, but on your home turf of Blacktown International Sports Park. Yeah, really looking forward to our game this um, Sunday against the Crows. It'll be a, a tough game physically, I, I can imagine. Um, they've got their star back. And they're on a, they've just had their first win, so they'll be on a bit of a high and um, ready to continue that form. But um, I'm sure I'm sure our girls will be up to it, and we'll give them a good challenge. Well, Phoebe, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. We hope you enjoy the remainder of your couple of months up there in Sydney, and we look forward to seeing you back home, running around in the VFLW for Hawthorne. Thanks, Peter.
You're listening to Girls Play Footy on RSN Carnival, digital radio in Melbourne and via the RSN Racing and Sport app, also as a podcast from Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. I'm Peter Holden. Our next guest on the line is a former VFL, AFL footballer with both Collingwood and Melbourne. Just a couple of weeks ago, he was appointed as the new head coach of the USA Freedom. That's the USA's women's team that competes in the International Cup tournaments. The next one coming in 2020 in Melbourne. He has a few years ahead of him to set out a program to try and lift the performance of the US women's team, which have so far finished third, third and fourth in the previous three International Cup tournaments. It's great to have on the line... Danny CEO. Danny, thanks for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. And first of all, we have to ask the question, what is a former Collingwood and Melbourne footballer doing in the United States? You may know that I actually, between Collingwood and Melbourne, I came over and did, finished my high school and did a year of college here um, at North Carolina, University of North Carolina. And um, I sort of kept ties with uh, the United States since then. I've been, I've still got friends here. I'm actually uh, started doing a startup business with a friend from high school from here so uh it's just um just the way life has led me actually now before we touch on uh, your current role now with the usa freedom uh, you got involved in the baltimore washington eagles um how did that all come about and when uh, i think it was about 2015 late late in the season 2015 so they the season here follows the AFL season as well, so it's actually a summer sport here, <laughs> which can be quite taxing on a lot of the guys. But um, I ended up sort of, I was a bit bored, not just running around by myself in the parkways, and I thought I'd just check out and see if there was any football here. And there happens to be 40 teams here in the US, which is quite amazing. So um, I just started having a kick. I uh, didn't really expect anything. and. Um, the next year, they sort of asked me if I could um, help out with the coaching. And indeed you did with the uh, Baltimore-Washington uh, Eagles ladies program, which has built up numbers over the years um, from supplying just a handful of players to almost supplying a full team themselves at the USAFL Nationals. Yes, it's, it's been quite interesting. Um, same with the guys as well. So myself and Dean Vargas, we sort of put together the two the Baltimore and Washington teams, uh, the guys first, and then the girls sort of followed. Uh, we, they really only had, they really didn't really have, or well, maybe two, three girls, um, maybe eight at the most combined. But um, probably in the last year, we've sort of we built the numbers up from less than twenty to sixty plus. And um, Dean's back in Australia now, but um, I've sort of. Continued the continued the um, coaching here with the, both the teams. Um, the teams have now split though, so Baltimore is its own entity and DC is its own entity now for the first time after 20 years. And um, being the original club, one of the original clubs in the USAFL, and uh, the girls, um, they seem we seem to be recruiting quite well in the off season. So we may have a whole, a full. Um, contingent but it will be baltimore washington for the girls this year anyway so still staying combined let's turn our attention to the 
USA Freedom. Um, in the IC uh, tournament, uh, in 2011-2014, they finished third. 2017, they finished fourth. But we should add to that, that saw the introduction that year of the GB Swans that came into the competition and, and finished one place higher than the USA Freedom. Um, at the end of the uh, IC17 campaign, Lee Barnes uh, stepped out as coach. The position was advertised. What made you want to throw your hat in the ring to lead the USA Freedom program? Oh, well... Yeah, it's quite interesting. I didn't really know that um, there was a, a call for a new coach. Uh, one of the girls who I coached actually asked me last minute, Emily Riel, she's uh, the vice captain. She uh, actually, from Baltimore, she actually asked me to come and coach or put my application in and, you know, see what it is. So I, I spoke to her for a little while, spoke to another girl named Jessie and he does the administration and um, I thought, well, why not? So the day before applications closed, I just put my hat in the ring just to see what would happen at an interview and um, I guess they chose me. And it did, they did. They uh, said that you will be leading this program. Of course, there's the USAFL Freedom and the development squad, the Liberty um, there's three years gap between each International Cup, so there's plenty of time for you to build a program leading up to IC 2020. How do you see that program being built? I think leading into IC 17, it essentially was a year out, just a one day. Everyone got together at uh, one venue and they picked the squads from there, essentially. How do you see building up this program over the next three seasons to we come to IC tournaments again? Well, it's... Um... I think it's a bit of a long road. Initially this year, I don't, I'm not, I don't have any expectations. I, the sport itself, women's and men's, is in its infancy, so it really needs a lot of work. Uh, there's no real programs other than the programs done by the clubs themselves, whoever's involved, and a lot of it's, uh, most of it is all volunteer, just like, um, well, not local footy is a bit more developed now but it's sort of like local footy was back in the day where everyone's just volunteer with a, with a few dollars flying around but here it's pretty much volunteer so it's quite hard going so my expectations is not too high but um, I'm also I'm head coach but I'm also the program director for the women's national team and program so I need to well, as, head, as head coach that sort of puts me in that place anyway so I have to actually put together a whole real program, the development, recruitment, sponsorship, uh, the works. So I need to actually um, build it from scratch and build a foundation from which the from which the program can go on. So if I'm only here for three years um, and getting the girls up into the IC Cup for 2020, I don't, ex- if, once I finish, if I finish after that, then, then there's a program in place where it can continue without me where before prior to that it was just whatever the head coach wanted to do they did there was no real system um and you know kudos to everyone who has come before me as a head coach they've done really well as much as they can with all with the limited resources that they've had but i want to put in place something a bit more permanent and um across the nation which is going to take a lot of work i think but everyone seems to be um enthusiastic about it i think everyone wants to get on board and do something as i'm sort of changing a few things um already from the start so we'll see what happens and just on that like you said it's going to be nationwide is there going to be something 
I guess, akin to a, a scout-type system where you're able to be fed that information, particularly when these newer recruits are walking in the door left, right and centre at all the various clubs across the country that you're aware of, here's someone I need to be keeping an eye on. Yeah, with the women here, it's about 15, 14, 15 teams, um, various teams with you know a, a full team, some teams have a full team, some teams have maybe 10 or 12 players. Um, the hard part here is they don't really they have a combine, but it doesn't really I don't think is effective, and they need to have something a bit more um, permanent in place. And so they I'll be liaising with all the coaches of each team, plus the girls. Uh, the girls are pretty passionate about this about the sport. Whoever jumps on, they really love it. And um, I want to get involved, get everybody involved. Those who were in the freedom team before. But what I'm doing is uniting the whole team. So there's a Liberty team as well, which is like the USA number two team. So I'm uniting everyone together, not just having the Liberty separate and the Freedom separate. Both the whole program is one. So everybody's on the same page. And um, what I'm wanting to do is, um, I haven't spoken to everybody yet, as I'm just sort of writing down a sort of a, a blueprint for it at the moment. And we'll... We'll go from there, but um, hopefully all the girls seem to be interested. And and now with the technology, it's going to help as well. We'll be doing like a site. We're helping with social media, and uh, I think that will help bring the whole bring the whole system together. And what's your thoughts about um, the team training as a group leading into IC2020? Obviously, different countries have different scenarios, such as uh, the GB Swans have the advantage where they can train together because they're almost either based in London or close to London, a few hours' drive apart. It's very easy for them to get together. Um, I guess something similar to yours in Canada, they end up doing split camps. They have a West camp and an East camp. So therefore, they'll split the um, their squad in two. They'll train and on rare occasions, maybe once or twice a year, they will come together. What's your thinking of that? Do you want to have things split up or are you still content to the old system of let's bring them together on certain dates as an entire group? Uh, I'm actually gonna, going to um, put it up in regions. Mm-hmm. So we have our regional games not too far, probably in June, I think it is, mm-hmm. um, in very at various dates. And so it'll be, I'll have it in different regions. Regions, uh, put up uh, different cells for each region, and then um, I'll bring them together for their own actual. We'll call it a combine, and um, I'll have all the regions play each other. Um, just like at home, there's nothing really special. It's more like just like at home, we, everyone everyone goes to regionals. You have regional teams. And then from the regional teams, I probably will put it in east versus west type thing. So then we get a better idea of who are the better players because players may come from a 10-player team and one player may be outstanding in their team, but then they have to play against everyone else to see exactly what how, what level they are really at. And so we'll probably end up putting both together, both together, and then I'll ultimately have everyone train together. But we'll probably play against each other in their region. So then they're all a bit more cohesive. They all know each other, at least from a limited perspective, around playing against each other locally as well as in a regional tournament. It's very hard here because it is um, quite a big country with so many states. And um, it's easier, as you said, from London's perspective, Ireland's perspective. They don't have to travel very far to get 
to where they need to go. And um, but the resources here and the potential here is rather is quite amazing. Having played with some of the girls, we have like a small nine-a-side team in Baltimore has nine-a-side competition. We're actually establishing one here in DC now. And some of the girls I've met are probably out of college, basketballers, soccer players, goalies. We have a goalie now on the DC team, the women's DC team. And um, they, they're not scared at all. They just go for it. And um, it's really quite amazing. Some of the athletes that are available here in the US that has been untapped, I believe. I know it's still early days yet, but have you given thought to um, for, through 2018 or at least through 2019 about um, some com- countries, pardon me, that you would like to take on in international friendlies, whether you go to or they come to you, whether it be Canada, whether it be GB, whether it be Ireland, to have that, um, I guess, that, that test to know where you're at before you start getting that squad on the plane and flying to Australia in 2020? Yeah, so... Thought about that. We've actually the Canada, the men's the men are actually playing two split games. So they're playing like you're saying they're splitting it up. So East Coast is going to play um, in Toronto and West Coast is going to play in Vancouver with two split teams. Um, usually the girls go along with the men, but what I'm doing is keeping the keeping the program separate. So we women can develop a little bit more and the women sort of the men overshadow the women in a little bit of a way so from as far as i know and so i want the women to actually go forward on their own and develop on their own program so maybe we'll do something with canada being the closest point um uh from there there is also europe um ireland's not too far away and it's not that expensive to get there so um We'll see. I'm not really sure at the moment because I basically want to build a foundation first uh, this year. Again, I don't have any expectations. And three years is a long way away um, but can come quickly. But, you know, half the team won't be here in three years, I expect. So um, it'll be it'll be interesting going. It's, it's really availability and how everybody's going to train and, you know, Things happen with um, life, etc. So they, they, some girls, I think, have got kids and babies and things like that. So we'll see how it goes from there. It um, depends. Same with the guys. It goes with the guys. Uh, two guys in my team have got like kids on the way, and so they're at limited training. So hopefully, maybe we'll get a game in this year. If not, I'm not too worried. Uh, I really want to build the unity of the team and. Um, Build, build the foundation this year anyway. If we get to go to uh, Canada or um, to the UK, that would be great. If not, then um, so be it. Looking beyond the team at the moment to more the uh, individual and uh, how far the individual can go, we obviously have Katie Klatt in Melbourne at the moment uh, from the Sacramento Suns. Jess Blecker at this very moment has just finished playing a couple of games in Nightcliff up in Darwin, and she'll be heading down to Melbourne soon to play some footy. Um, you mentioned about combines. Are you looking at um, doing the tests that are standard at the moment uh, for AFLW and obviously through uh, your playing days at Collingwood and Melbourne, you're looking at using those contacts to see how A, the USA women are comparing against the Australian women in these tests, but B, to try and open some doors to hopefully get some more USA women 
down here to have a crack for AFLW? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, I've spoken to a couple of clubs already, actually, and um, at varying various levels. So, like, um, Katie actually emailed me not long ago about about uh, what she can do. I asked her to help me out with Uni Blues and try and get some girls of decent level there to go over and play. I think Emily Riel as well. She goes over and play has played there last year for maybe five or six matches, something like that. So whether it was the seconds or not, but I really want to put an exchange program in place so that uh, girls can go over there. And if girls want to come here as well and help, that's, that'd be fantastic. But um, I'd like to send over girls at different levels to go over to Australia, especially once we start recruiting um, some really, some really good girls or athletes that are wanting to come into the team. Uh, or anyone who's improved from the last uh, IC Cup who want to actually try and go to Australia and um, improve their own football. Because watching Katie play, I really thought she was American, um, Australian. I had no idea. Like watching the uh, um, IC Cup and watching her play, her positioning, her running, the way she kicked the ball or passed and her uh, decision-making seemed to be uh, it was excellent. And so um, that would be my that – w- that's one of the first um, – parts of development over the next three years is to get a few girls over there if I can most of the team to play in some some way shape or form in some club depending on their level well Danny thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy sounds like plenty of exciting things are in the making for the US AFL Freedom Program and uh, hopefully we look forward to catching up with you at the Nationals in Racing Wisconsin in October Certainly. Thank you very much, Peter. You're listening to Girls Play Footy. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company. Time to head to Ireland now and check in with the latest round of the Australian Rules Football League Ireland's Women's Super Sevens competition. And it's great to have on the line Irish Banshees footballer Olivia McCann. Olivia, thanks for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. And just quickly, for your own personal story, um, how did you first get involved in Aussie Rules Football? Um, I actually started playing Aussie Rules Football when I uh, moved over to South Australia, to Adelaide. Um, I think it was the summer of 2013, so a couple of years ago now. I um, didn't know a single person, and I thought, right, how do I go about making friends over here? Um, so I joined the local footy team, which was Adelaide University Football Club, and potentially the best uh, couple of years of my life. Absolutely brilliant experience. Um, played two seasons in the SAWFL. Um, actually played on the same team as current uh, number 35 for Carlton, uh, Sophie Lee. Um, she was affectionately known as Ninja to us all at the time. So I'm absolutely delighted to see her um, creating such a big impact uh, on Carlton. Um, Adelaide obviously was uh, the same team um, that Ruth Wallace um, has, has came from and she's now making a huge impact in the Adelaide Crows, uh, snapping goals left, right and centre. Um, and obviously the SAWFL um, as well, Courtney Gum, uh, well, she was best and first off the SANFL, the, the new um, league that those guys have uh, from 2017. So um, there's a lot of football talent in Adelaide and certainly I, I learned a lot from um, from playing with them. It's obviously whet my appetite now to uh, sort of drive on with Michael and the, the women's footy in Ireland. It's just, it's an addictive sport and... Uh, yeah, that's how I got involved, really, through Adelaide, so I have a lot to thank them for. Importantly, how's life back in Ireland after spending August in Melbourne for IC17, where, of course, your Irish Banshees took out the championship? 
<laughs> yeah, no, it was a fantastic time. Um, we enjoyed that one. Uh, yeah, absolutely brilliant being able to uh, to play in the International Cup alongside the likes of uh, Laura Corgan, Jure, and just absolutely fantastic to get to get the win and compete at um, a tournament like that, and especially in a uh, in Etihad. But yeah, we definitely were um, all sort of back back to normality in Ireland, and just sort of doing everything we can to um, keep women's footy uh, just thriving and and growing at a sort of you know very very quick pace so um yeah no all's good and we had our round two um of our super sevens league ah uh, yes round two of the arfli women's super sevens competition which of course uh i think was saturday wasn't it we had it on saturday just in the west in galway so it was absolutely uh, brilliant to see the new galway magpies team and uh, they had their first ever uh tournament and um, they actually drew against my own team, Portadown Power, so we weren't expecting that one, but we we're delighted that they came out so strong and so enthused. And we had our first win on the board for the Dublin Angels and uh, several wins for the Cork Vikings. Very interesting switch around at the uh, top of the league table. The uh, sort of experienced uh, Northeast Cookaburras have now taken the top place, so um, there's one point separating them and the West Tour Waves, which had four new debutants um, at the weekend. So it'll come down to the wire of two more rounds to go, but uh, it's all to play for and anybody really can can be a contender in the next couple of rounds. So um, it was absolutely brilliant. With The sun was shining, um, 10 degrees weather, so it was actually um, quite a pleasant winter's day, <laughs> double digits, um, sort of a bit of a heat wave in winter. Um, just absolutely brilliant day and everybody seemed to really enjoy it, which is just really key for us to keep, um, keep the girls loving the footy and just keep them recruiting and uh, keeping things growing. And just to re-emphasise, one of the teams has been renamed as well. What was the UCC Crusaders and now known as the Cork Vikings? That's right, yeah. Um, sort of they came down to a bit of a vote and the girls put in uh, their names. So it, it encompasses players that um, aren't just, you know, university players for the uh, University of Cork. Um, so uh, Vikings was, was the chosen name and I think it suits them well because uh, they certainly come out fighting. And, of course, we spoke to Michael Curran about a month ago, um, just as we looked at round one of the competition. Since then, of course, Cora Stoughton has made her debut and has been playing for the GWS That's Giants right. ever since then, kicking goals and also having her nose broken in one game against the... Uh, I noticed Cullin- that, yeah. Against the Cullin- Cora. I know, we're absolutely so proud of her. Um, uh, she, yeah, she copped a heavy, uh, heavy elbow um, in the tackle, but um, she's certainly getting herself very involved Um She's a tough cookie. I've seen she uh, finished fourth best in the disposal. I think it was 13, just uh, sort of behind uh, Courtney Gum, Leisha Eva and uh, Fridge, Amanda uh, Fridge. So she's doing so well. She's getting stuck in and uh, she's working hard. So we're all very, very proud of her. And obviously the exposure that, that she's getting over there is brilliant because um, it sort of, you know, helps get the word out um, over here as well, just about the game and that we have our own active league um, over here. So, yeah, we're very proud of Cora, and uh, Laura is absolutely uh, killing it for the days. So, uh, yeah, we're super proud to have those two girls represent. And since that debut for Cora, what has been the media exposure like of her and how she's going in the AFLW in Ireland? And what result is that giving to you and the Super 7s in hopefully attracting new players? Yeah, certainly. Um, there's there's definitely been plenty of exposure. I noticed there just uh, this morning, um, an Irish sporting legend, arguably probably the greatest uh female sporting legend of all time in Ireland, Sonia O'Sullivan, um, the record-breaking uh, athlete. She had actually uh, put a photo on Instagram of herself and, and Cora in the changing rooms uh, after some sort of inspirational words, I guess, were exchanged between the two who I believe know each other already. So, um, yeah, she was uh, just with Cora as soon as she copped her 
um, sort of nasty tackle she was well um, bandaged up but yeah certainly everyone's uh, super proud to have Cora over there and uh, working hard it's only round three and she's obviously becoming more and more used to the uh, the contact element of the game which is obviously the as well as the, the shape of the ball the most difficult one to have to try and adapt to um, but certainly she's getting uh, plenty of coverage and uh, that goal she scored in um, in the first round was was fairly uh, fairly fantastic so um, yeah we're all keeping a close eye on her and we wish, wish her all the best for the next few rounds uh, one thing that was actually noticed in that game is um, Cora at the moment is, is struggling to master the drop punch. So she's actually going with the banana kick on goal, very similar to Gaelic kicking the ball around the corner. Um, how have you found that for That's the new con- new converts to AFL um, in um, in Ireland? Are you finding that some of them are struggling with the drop punt and having to try some modified kick? I guess uh, for our girls, a lot of them um, have probably been playing AFL a lot longer than Cora, so she has a very... Um, I guess tough challenge of trying to sort of master the game in, in eight weeks, and she didn't she didn't get her full preseason. So trying to master that drop punt, um, you know, is is difficult, obviously. And compared to uh, a lot of our northeast cookabars, uh, some of those girls have been probably playing four or five, uh, maybe six years. So they've uh, the likes of Colleen Quinn. If you notice her kicking style, she you know, she scored a crucial goal for us in the grand final of IC seventeen. Those girls have really nailed the drop punt, and uh, would probably prefer that obviously to the around the body. Gaelic style kick um, it's certainly something that takes a lot of practice and I, I know that uh, Alexa Cora will, will be giving it her absolute everything but she's um, she's obviously got uh, various sort of styles of kicking including the, including the banana but um, a lot of our girls certainly um, would, would be able to keep um, various kicking styles for uh, depending on the situation I guess but yes it's a good point they're very different <laughs> very different kicking styles Let's have a look at some of those results from round two. As you mentioned with the West Clare, uh, West Clare Waves, pardon me, um, wins over mm-hmm. Dublin by uh, 36 points and um, also by uh, 24 points over the Cork Vikings. But the North East Kookaburra has got the better of them by a good uh, 32 points. That's right. Yeah, and sort of when I, when I sat back and sort of thought about it all, um, you know, they're, they're a very uh, sort of Banshee-heavy team. There's there's five, uh, five girls that are out of the seven, you know, really strong, experienced Banshee players who, as I said, have, have many years uh, of experience behind them. And the West Clare Waves, whenever I actually sort of contemplated just um, how, how far they've come, they've really got sort of three to four hours of, uh, of game experience going up against that sort of Banshee heavy side. So they've done phenomenally well uh, to, you know, make the top of the table in round one and then to sit right there with, within a point of them in round two is, is fantastic. And um, as I said, they have the likes of Colleen Quinn, who's an absolute magnet for the ball. She's just uh, she's savage to play alongside and uh, just a phenomenal player who can take sort of spectacular grabs and seems to just draw the ball no matter where she is in the field. Um, there's the likes of uh, Claire Donnelly, who's super speedy on the wing. You would have uh, seen her represent the Banshees. Ashton Gillespie, um, again, can, can score goals from, from almost anywhere in the pocket. So uh, those girls are um, very experienced and, uh, yeah, they've, they've just really sort of glued together in round two, put put uh, some beautiful passages of play together and they were certainly a force to be reckoned with coming out with um sort of very high uh, very high margin of points. The West Clare Waves though are just absolutely laden with talent as well and it's a joy um you know to sort of just watch them from the sidelines when when my team um wasn't playing. They've they've a girl um Ailish Constantine who uh honestly um her skills would not look out of place in an icon park on a Friday night just super silky skills and contested marks just uh, phenomenal so she's certainly one to watch and uh, yeah everyone's just so excited for, for round three uh, three weeks away now 3rd of March but we just uh, we wish it was next weekend 
Um, yeah, so there are certainly two teams that are going to battle it out right to the to the line. So it's uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty awesome. The Dublin Angels had a couple of heavy losses again to the West Clave Wares, and uh, also they uh, went down to the Cork Vikings. Unfortunately, they got the better over your side, the Porter Down Power, by just three points. <laughs> they, start, they certainly did. We were missing a few of our sort of uh, stalwarts. Um, both of those girls uh, were unavailable uh, on the day that I sort of uh, expected they were there, but we, we are just so, so keen to recruit the new players as well, and uh, we were delighted that we were able to put up the fight that we did. Uh, we drew with the new side, Galway, and unfortunately we did succumb to Dublin Angels um, and Cork Vikings, but the sort of flip side of that is that they both got uh, they got their wins registered as well, and it's it's important to sort of um, you know keep everything sort of a uh, good contest and uh, yeah sort of spread around that win feeling. So um, yeah, no real complaints, but certainly uh, everything could change in round three and four nine par. Uh, could come back and, and cause some upset. <laughs> so watch this face. Indeed we will. And uh, as we said, the Cork <laughs> Vikings as well, uh, they picked up uh, a couple of wins throughout the um, uh, tournament. Uh, let's have a look. They defeated uh, Dublin 48-7, to also over the Galway Magpies 38-8, to only going down in the end to the uh, West Clave uh, Waves. That's right. Yeah, they've done, they done uh, exceptionally well. They're managed... Um, uh, by Maria Keating, who uh, I'm sure you've heard her name mentioned. She's an uh, absolutely phenomenal player and a delight um, just sort of to be around and learn from. And, and she's coaching those girls and she was also playing on, on Saturday and uh, took some fantastic marks and, and scored just goals. Um, yeah, goals after goals. So they're going to be a force we reckon with because they're learning at a, at a really quick rate from uh, Marie and all her experience, um, especially given her, her time in Oz and uh, and playing, she played alongside uh, likes of uh, Chelsea Randall and Courtney Gum, I believe. So she's got a wealth of experience, and those girls are gonna, and um, they're gonna keep on improving and uh, making leaps and bounds in the next couple of rounds. So it really, it, it's anyone's competition at this stage, and uh, we're all just so excited to have uh, such a tournament, um, which is just growing at, at the rate that it is. And just quickly, what has the skill level been like of the Galway Magpies, considering this is the first tournament that they've played in? It's been it's been fantastic. With one of the girls that is an existing um, uh, banshee, Claire Cunningham, and uh, she performed amazingly. Another girl, uh, Nora Scarfield, she used to play AFL in Canada, and I believe uh, played alongside some of the um, the Canadian girls who were up against us in in the IC whenever she was overseas. So those um, skills that those girls have picked up, you know, they're still there even if they haven't been actively using them week in week out. They really shone through, especially in the latter games uh, on Saturday and. Uh, obviously, with our regular trainings that we're now organised, they're only going to just keep getting better and better. So, um, obviously, when the girls get to know each other uh, on the field and and their sort of um, their playing styles, they're going to keep improving. Um, so, certainly, I was I was very impressed with the Galway Magpies, and I think they were pumped to get to to get the results that they did. Now, just before we uh, let you go, as we mentioned, uh, Dublin coming up very soon for round three, but also coming up somewhere mm-hmm. around March, April, you've got the Leprechaun Cup. That's right. Yeah, I was just about to sort of mention that to give it a little bit of a plug. Um, that's right, we have it on the 24th um, of March. It's usually around that same weekend every year. I think this is the, the fifth year we've hosted it and it is um, going to be by far the absolute, uh, the biggest Leprechaun Cup ever. We've uh, 14 teams entered uh, and it's moved up from being a nine-a-side tournament to a 14-a-side purely because of the sort of unprecedented uh, demand that we've had for uh, from the teams in England, Scotland, uh, France. Um, and obviously, you know, within Ireland, so we've eight women's teams and we have six men's teams. So that in itself is a testament to 
um i guess the the growth of, of women's footy over here so it's super um it's super exciting that uh we're able to have with two teams last year of women and we've we've eight this year so um it's brilliant we've got london um london swans coming over we have wimbledon hawks we have uh wandsworth demons we've girls coming over from the paris cox uh from glasgow um with the new west london wildcats team so and there's a lot of organizing and preparation that, that has to go into it but once um once the word got out that all these teams are entering you know everyone wants on board so it's just it's just brilliant that it's uh it's on the horizon as well it's two weeks after our round three um uh and then on two weeks after that's the champions league so it's brilliant preparation for the girls um to have these sort of um constant footy tournaments just one after each other so um yeah plenty to look forward to and where again is that location in case people are around Ireland and they do want to check out the leprechaun cup yeah that's right it's in belfast so uh, the capital of northern ireland so our round three of our super sevens is in dublin uh the republic's capital and uh, our leprechaun cup will be in belfast so um yeah it's certainly anyone anyone in northern ireland uh definitely uh flick us a message and we'll uh we'll try to get them involved the 24th of march it'll be it'll be a brilliant day well olivia thank you very much for your time and uh, we look forward to catching up with you again soon to chat more afl island women's football thanks very much peter it was a pleasure speak to you soon Time to head now to the City of Churches, Adelaide, not just for our Sandford W report, but possibly a chance for her to boast about how the Crows went on the weekend against the Bulldogs. It's great to have on the line from the Two Crows podcast, Alison Schiller. And Ali, I want to ask the question straight off the top. Have they built a statue of Erin Phillips yet out the front of Adelaide Oval? Oh, if they haven't, they're playing the foundations as we speak, Peter. What a woman, what a game. What an absolute cracker of a game. It was unbelievable that Adelaide were literally 15 minutes away. They were down three-quarter time. They were 15 minutes away from having three losses, season over. That's it. Cannot make the grand final. With that win and how other results have gone their way, they're now one win away from the pack and back in the grand final race hunt again. The hunt is on. That's all I can say. A week is a long time in football. Last week, um, as if anyone was listening there, you probably heard my level of depression. Uh, so this week being pretty much up and about. So uh, fabulous. Ted could not be happier. One of those crazy games, isn't it, that um, we get one legend back and lose another. We got Aaron Phillips back, um, four goals, even with that quad strain. Uh, unfortunately for the Western Bulldogs, Katie Brennan has that ankle injury and question marks if she'll be back before the season is uh, finished. Yeah, that's absolutely, I really feel for Katie because, I mean, she had injury last year that took her season out and I'm really getting down on all these players, all these champions of the game that the everyone wants to go see um, are getting picked off one by one each week and I want to see the best players play for whichever team that they're in because that's what makes the game such a great spectacle. I've heard a rumour on the grapevine as well that you're claiming partial influence on the victory for the Crows knocking off yes. the Bulldogs. Yes, I, I am. I mean, a lot of people say, I mean, it's one of two things. It's either A, the return of Aaron Phillips. You know, that's the easy one to go for. Or B, was it the fact that both myself and Lisa McCormick, um, Jenna McCormick's mum, uh, were in the guard of honour for the Crows? So you be the judge, but I know which way I'm going with it. 
<laughs> well, good to see that the Crows are back in action. They take on GWS, by the way, on uh, Sunday. So that will be a cracking game at Blacktown International Sports Park. Let's have a look ahead to the Sandville women's competition. Round three was played over the weekend. Two games on the Friday night and one on the Saturday as the curtain raiser to the uh, Dogs-Crows game. Uh, first of all, West Adelaide won 5-11, went down to South Adelaide 5-5-35. Yes, um, this one was always going to be interesting because it was at Westie's home ground and Westie's actually been playing really well. South Adelaide going in unbeaten and then one of the new teams coming in and it was always going to be a tough game but I think South Adelaide surprised everyone including the West Adelaide players um, by getting on the board and actually keeping West Adelaide totally scoreless up until the third quarter. So it wasn't for lack of trying but you had um, the goal kickers of Molly McKendrick Lamar coming in for South Adelaide with Rowe, Amunyard and Davison getting across the board, yeah, but Nikki Gore, uh, Nicole Mark, Hammond, Smith, Harvey and Rowe being the best there for South Adelaide. And there was some excellent movement and structure of the ball. Um, Chrissy's really got that team cracking because West at one stage just couldn't get it past the halfway mark. Um, they got back into it. They managed to get a goal on the board. Uh, in the third quarter, in fact, they had a flurry of action for Westies in the third quarter, but they kicked one goal four. Um, and that was why Lowry managed to get their uh, goal on the board. Best players for them were Biddle, Martin, Armistead, Batley and Rachel Martin. So the little Martin girls there, the pocket rocket, um, providing a lot of pressure, but just unable to get the girls across the line there. Um, and also a shout out to Maddie Green from South Adelaide, who was playing while sick, who's actually now um, in hospital. So get well soon, Maddie, and um, get back into that midfield as soon as you can. Is it safe to say the Chrissy Steen steam train rolls on after that great <laughs> season with Adelaide? <laughs> after that great season with Adelaide University, coaching them to a flag unbeaten as South Adelaide coach so far on the Sandful W. Yeah, she's. Um, I love the steam train. I think I shall use that. So I'll pinch that. Thanks for that, Peter. Um, uh, has them moving along nicely, and so just watching the game, the structure and the setup of the players and how they know where each other's are and just getting the ball to them. Um, it could have won by more, but then again, Westy didn't quite kick straight either, but um, sending shivers down the competition as we speak. And Sturt 2-2-14, uh, defeated by North Adelaide 7-6-48. Yeah, North Adelaide getting a good percentage boost there over poor old Sturt, who are still sitting luckless and languishing along the bottom there. Um, Sturt managed to get two goals. They came in the third quarter. But by then, the damage was already done where um, North Adelaide were already up 4-2 at that point of time and then powered away to kick another three in the final. So um, North Adelaide uh, starting to build, which I'm really liking the looks of that. Sturt, on the other hand, are really finding it tough at the moment. So their goal kickers were Taylor and uh, Rigta. Best players were Foley, Swanson, Maple, Trenorden, Dunstan and Gundlach. Um, North Adelaide, on the other hand, uh, Bomberto is not only a goal kicker, multiple goal kicker, but also one of their best players. Uh, other goal kickers there for Castle Bowles and Talia Redan um, wasn't playing for the Crows. She was a bit of a surprise omission from the team. But at the moment, we shall say that that was a genius stroke by Beck. Um, also, in the best players uh, were Bowles, Daniel, Bond, and again, Redan got a mention in there as well. And the final game of round three, Norwood 7-12-54, accounting for Glenelg 3-1-19. Yeah, poor old Tigers here. The Redlegs wanted a, a bit of revenge here, so they started off strong and certainly went on after half time and kicked away 
from and mind you, no order without Mariana Ratchich as well because she got her duties a call up to the Adelaide Crows. Um, so congratulations on her getting a first game and getting a first win on the board because I think she had a, um, was quite influential there as well. But back to Norwood there, the goal kickers there coming in from uh, cutting kick two, followed by Hill Reed, Monique Hollick, and um, Gould. Also the best players a day. I keep mentioning that name over and over again. Uh, Burns Hill, Cutting Campbell, and Fitzgerald. Across for Glenelg, again a bit slim picking there. Bellinger and Waterhouse being the goal kickers. Bellinger with two of their three goals. Their best players being Alan, Trevina, Howe, uh, Brenna Walling, um, Ange Moritz, and Bellinger to finish it up there. So the latter for the SANFL Statewide Super Women's League. At the moment, South Adelaide, head and shoulders above, well, at least two points, sitting on 82%. Norwood on four points, North Adelaide on four, and Westies on four. So that's where the big fight to me is going to be on for position. Glenelg and Sturt fighting it out on the wooden spoon for the moment with Sturt on the bottom with percentage. And round so, four sees all six teams playing on Friday night as part of a triple header. Yeah, triple treat down at Cooper Stadium. A great under lights there. So, people, Friday the 23rd of Feb, happy birthday, Dad. Um, get around it. We've got Norwood versus Westies, which will be an absolute crack. As I said, one of those teams is really fighting it out for a second spot on the ladder. They're starting at 5pm. North Adelaide take on the Panthers. So North Adelaide, after being much improved, um, will be keen to test themselves against the Panthers, who will be hoping to continue on the steam train. Um, and Glenelg and Sturt, one of these have to win. Well, if there's a draw, but one of them is going to be the cellar dweller and one of them is going to lift themselves off the canvas. And that game starts at 830 well, Ali, thanks very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. And we look forward to uh, catching up with you again soon to look at more Sandville women's football. Thank you very much for having me. And look us up on Two Crows Podcast on Twitter and now on YouTube. Well, it's just about time for me to get on out of here. But before I go, a quick note. Next week will be our 100th episode. We're very, very excited about it. We're not going to tell you what we've got planned. You'll just have to tune in again next week. I'm Peter Holden. Thank you again very much for your company. Don't forget, for all the latest women's footy news, go to girlsplayfooty.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Until then, it's bye for now.